Amen. Well, it's good to see you all tonight. And uh, I don't know how many of y'all are out there, but uh, I hope we see many of you. So um, again, this is our, if you haven't joined us yet on a Sunday night, this is our Sunday night prayer time. And uh, we're not going to pray right now, but we will be praying tonight here at HBF. And um, even though it's me and a, and a handful of folks, you know, um, it's essential business. And so uh, there's some essential business that has to get done. And so tonight, I, I'm just going to continue in our study of 1 Corinthians. I want to thank all of you that uh, joined us this morning. I saw some guests that reached out to me on uh, on my email and uh, live feed and, uh, or uh, on uh, Facebook. And so if you're a guest joining us, we're really glad to have you with us this evening. And, and Ron, good job singing, by the way. Ron is a, a one-man wrecking crew, man. He, he can just get up and, and uh, praise the Lord, just open his mouth and sing. It's beautiful. So we've been in a study in the book of Corinth, uh, Corinthians for a long time, because on Sunday nights, we, we really usually have an abbreviated time in the Word, and so tonight's message is, is really not going to take long, um, and uh, we focus uh, on praying. And tonight, if you're a member of HBF in particular, I am going to take a little time in preparation for prayer, and so uh, if you would check your inbox, uh, if you're an HBF member um, maybe a regular attender as well. You should have a prayer list that looks something like this. Uh, I'm not going to read the details off of that list tonight because there's HIPAA issues and all kinds of personal information I don't want to put out on the web. But I will read a few of the uh, the names, and then you can refer to that list uh, specifically for uh, some detail, uh, not all, but some. And uh, you can uh, then, um, you know, maybe gather up your family tonight and do some praying. Uh, that would be a really good thing to do as a family. And so, um, man, it's beautiful weather. I hope everybody's been able to enjoy this sunny afternoon. And uh, this is a great way to top off your first day of the week with the Word of God. Beautiful day together. So let's do this. Let's go ahead and just look in First Corinthians 16, if you have your Bibles. We're going to talk tonight about the evidence of an open life. Uh, the evidence of an open life. Now, if you know much about the Corinthians, they were pretty open, but it usually wasn't, it wasn't always a good thing uh, with what they were open about. They had a lot of open sin, a lot of problems. And uh, by now, Paul has pretty much uh, correct, he's admonished them, he's corrected them. And, uh, and so now it's a, it's a time where he's encouraging them in regard to these relationships and, and how to have proper relationships, which is so important within the body of Christ. So let's look at our text, 1 Corinthians 16. I'm just going to pick up in verse 15. But before I read, I just want to remind you that verse 14 tells us, let all things be done with charity. That's where we left off last week. And, uh, you know, the Bible the Bible does tell us that charity never fails. It's so important to be uh, the personification of love. Uh, it's a noun. It's not always a verb. Charity um, is, a, is a word that uh, it can do go either way. You can be charitable, and and uh, but you can also personify it. It's uh, it's also the name. Sometimes people name their they don't name their kids love, but they will name their daughter maybe charity. So uh, it can be a proper noun as well. So that's interesting. But at any rate, uh, we want to make sure that we look like this. And then Paul gives some examples in verse fifteen. He says, "I beseech you." So we'll get into that a little bit in a minute. <clears throat> you know the house of Stephanus, that is the first fruits of Achaia. And they have addicted themselves to the ministry of the saints, that ye submit yourselves unto such and to everyone that helpeth with us and laboreth. 
I am glad of the coming of Stephanus and Fortunatus and Achaeus, for that which was lacking on your part they have supplied, for they have refreshed my spirit and yours. Therefore acknowledge ye them that are such. The church of Asia salutes you. Aquila and Priscilla salute you much in the Lord with the church that is in their house. Tonight there's a lot of churches in the house, right? A lot of house church going on tonight uh, at HBF. All the brethren greet you, <clears throat> greet you one another with a holy kiss, and uh, or the salutation of me, Paul, with my own hand. If any man love not the Lord Jesus Christ, let him be anathema maranatha. We'll talk about that. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. My love be with you all in Christ Jesus. Amen. Heavenly Father, I just uh, pray, Lord, tonight that you help us, uh, you know, glean something tonight that we can apply. This is a time where it's much more, um, you know, relaxed. It's an easy time just to connect with one another. I pray that in our families that we're doing that tonight, I pray, God, that uh, we would have the church going on in our homes, uh, Lord, throughout this situation. I just left the house, and before I left, uh, there was a, a press meeting, and uh, this situation is going to be extended through the end of April, which is not a shock or surprising, but it's definitely another couple weeks that uh, is, is certain, uh, most likely. So, Lord, we just pray that you just help us continue that we would be, uh, you know, long-suffering, that we'd be patient, that we would, um, you know, that we would, I, I hate to even say endure hardness, this isn't that hard, but, Lord, that we would certainly behave ourselves wisely, as Paul recommends to the, the church and really commands to the church at Corinth, that we would do things decently and in order, that we would keep ourselves um, uh, meeting together before you uh, in a way that would be honorable to the King of kings and the Lord of lords, to our Lord and Savior, to the Father in heaven, Lord, that you would look upon our church body as we gather together, even virtually, that in every home that's listening, that every place that is tuning in right now, that, Lord, that this isn't about <clears throat> a, a television broadcast, so to speak. This is not a a, a, a virtual presentation uh, of some sort, uh, Lord, this is another video time. Lord, this is a time where we virtually are coming together. Uh, Lord, the Spirit of God is in every member of the body in particular, Lord, and you're drawing us together to teach us, to encourage us, to gather us around the Word of God, and we want our focus tonight to be the Word of God. I pray within the homes, Lord, when we are at home, there are a lot more distractions. There are uh, There is wind blowing through the house. There are dogs barking. There are uh, doors slamming. Lord, there are things happening. Lord, I pray today that you would just make all of those things just kind of still for a little bit as we focus upon the Word of God, as we come together and we really focus on what you would have us to hear what you'd have us to know, who you'd have us to be tonight. We thank you and we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so 1 Corinthians 16, uh, we we've, we're, were at the end of this series, and if you've been with us, uh, you know, that's been a long time. So uh, what we've seen is open hearts, open doors, and open lives. When you travel through the Bible, that's what you find. You find those that are in the darkest times, <clears throat> at times, having some of the best hearts and the, being the brightest lights. When you look at the time of Noah, when he lived, it was a terrible time, yet uh, he, was a, he was a man that found grace in the eyes of the Lord. There was a good man, a righteous man. He and his whole house were saved in one of the darkest times in church history. And so it's incredible that God provides light. And when it is dark out, the lights are even brighter. So we see that God uses men in the Bible, like Isaiah, Jeremiah, Daniel, Hezekiah, Josiah, you know, to be an example uh, to a nation in the case of Israel, um, that, that not only they could follow, but First Corinthians 10, we've already seen Paul lay it out to the church at Corinth. There, there's examples that we should all follow. Uh, you know, they're examples. They're, they're there for us to remember, to see, and to, to remember what faithfulness looks like. In, in the book of Hebrews, 
uh, chapter 11. Uh, we like to call that the hall of fame of faith. And it's inspiring to see people who have followed the Lord faithfully. And, and it's also encouraging if you ever do, just take Hebrews 11 and read that and then compare it with the actual stories that are recorded in the Old Testament, you find out that those Old Testament saints that are listed in the hall of fame of faith are really not much different than us. Uh, they're faithful people, but then in the Old Testament, you can read all the the, the warts and all the wrinkles, and you, you're like, well, Sarah was laughing at God. What, over in Hebrews, you don't get all that. You know, God is so gracious oftentimes, and, and so, I, I, you know, we need to be careful not to, to be uh, swallowed up sometimes with our own inadequacies, inadequacies, inadequacies and, and things that, uh, you know, hold us down and understand that God wants to use all of us to be an example. And you don't have to be just absolutely perfect. Uh, but you do need to have a perfect heart, a whole heart, a heart that's given uh, to the Lord. That's really what makes people, uh, you know, really appear in that hall of fame of faith, people that believe God and it was counted to them for righteousness. So, um, even in poor circumstances. And that's when God is looking for people to believe in him the most. So it's comforting to know that, that the impact of our Christianity does not rest solely on environment. It doesn't rest completely on environment. Now, Paul's writing to a church and has written this epistle to a church. It, it kind of has a terrible environment. As a matter of fact, it's kind of, kind of like the church of today. Uh, it was an urban church, lots of sin, lots of access to sin, lots of information, lots of knowledge, lots of affluence, lots of education. Um, even though it's noted as being a carnal church, it wasn't a poor church. It was an affluent church. It was a church that had all kinds of opportunity, but a lot of those opportunities, unfortunately, were used for sin. What's really encouraging about the conclusion of this epistle is not everybody that's in this epistle uh, is uh, is infected. That's probably a good way of saying it, infected or infected by the environment that they're living in. They actually overcome the circumstances, and they overcome the obstacles, of that, that culture, and they shine as a bright light, even in a dark a dark place. And so don't you like being around godly people? I know I do. Uh, I enjoy being around godly people. There's something very encouraging. The Bible tells us that iron sharpens iron, right? And so uh, <clears throat> I like to be inspired, uh, encouraged uh, in the race. You know, if you uh, have ever engaged in anything that's strenuous, whether it be in the military or athletics or, or whatever the case, it's there's always people that have to come aside alongside you and encourage you. It could even be business or obviously in the ministry. It's good to have people that encourage you. Uh, <clears throat> I can tell you, I had in my in my younger days, once upon a time in a in a in a life way way back, I, I had good coaches and I had bad coaches. I can tell you, good coaches can get way more out of you than you could ever thought you could get out of yourself. They bring you to the point of uh, dying. I had one uh, football coach in particular that was really good at bringing to the point of dying to self. I mean, you really came to that point um, that you died to self, right? Because uh, that's the only way you were going to survive. And uh, and it does. It brings you together as a team. It makes you a better athlete, et cetera, et cetera. So good coaches know how to get you beyond yourself. And sometimes you need encouragement in the body of Christ. And that's really what Paul is like to the Corinthians. He's coming in, and uh, <clears throat> and, and they don't all respect him like they ought, but he is really trying to bring them up uh, to another level a level that is really more acceptable for the spiritual warfare that they're engaged in. And he's trying to get them to a place that they can engage uh, appropriately in the kingdom of God. And so uh, in the midst of that messed up church at Corinth, God has intentionally placed model ministers in their midst. They don't have to leave Corinth. That's, I like that about HBF. You don't have to leave HBF to find some incredible examples of what it is to be a Christian, uh, not just in our pulpits, but 
in our pews, right? We don't have pews, but in our seats, right? In, in the seats at HBF. Right now, I'm looking at all these smiling faces, which uh, some of you know what I'm talking about if you've been on social media. But uh, we got all the smiling faces right now at HBF on reminding us of all the wonderful saints at HBF. And man, among these, if these were lights, the room would light up. It'd be illuminated as bright as the lights are right now, maybe brighter. Uh, and then among that, there's always a few bright lights. I mean, they're so bright. If you look at them, it's like, whoa, got to put my shades on because the Lord Jesus Christ is shining through them so well. And so that's an incredible thing. And so Paul's admonition is is strong to the church at Corinth. He wants them to be a bright light. He wants them to not just, uh, <clears throat> he doesn't want the church, um, Paul's admonition and strong urging was for the church at Corinth to open uh, not just the doors of their church, but their lives uh, to these that they were ministering with and uh, and those that Paul would endorse. So he's asking them particularly to take certain people in the in, in among them in the congregation and actually open up their life to them, like have a relationship with them, like go beyond hitting the like button on Facebook and actually communicate with them and have a relationship. And so that's what Paul's trying to do. He desperately wants the Corinthians to complete their call. So um, in this text that we've read, I want to focus here on these last verses, verses 15 through 16. First thing that we see is it starts with a submissive attitude. Notice in verses 15 and 16, he says, I beseech you, brethren, ye know the house of Stephanus, that it is the first fruits of Achaia, and that they have addicted themselves to the ministry of the saints. And then he says in verse 16, the dreaded word, that ye submit yourselves unto such and to everyone that helpeth with us and laboreth. Now, submit is not a bad word, but... I tell you, in some people's vernacular, it is a bad word. Uh, I can tell true stories here at this church. I've been, I was rebuked one time by a lady who asked me uh, to take the word submit out of our next steps materials because at the end of our presentation, uh, what do you want to do to be a member of H? What do you need to do to be a member of HBF? Three things. Submit, right? Submit to the Lord Jesus as, as Savior, right? Submit to the, the gospel. Ask Jesus Christ into your heart. Receive the gift. Receive the gift of eternal life. Submit to the Lord, right, as your Savior. Submit to believer's baptism, right? If you're born again and you haven't been scripturally baptized, submit to believer's baptism. Or if you've done that, if you're born again scripturally and you have submitted yourselves to believer's baptism in a Bible-believing local New Testament church, well, then certainly just submit a membership app. Submit yourself a membership. I mean, just I used the three S's there. I mean, the word submit three times. And she's like, that's an awful strong word. I, I don't know that we should use that. And so... I'm like, well, it's in the Bible. I mean, it's it's not a bad word. Actually, the words of the God, word of God's not grievous. The commandments of God aren't grievous. I I'm happy to submit to the Lord. I don't I don't want to do anything but submit to the Lord. Right? Let's submit to the Lord. Let's embrace that. That's what Paul's saying. He's like, submit yourselves to the to the house of Stephanus, right? And and submit yourselves unto such that are like the house of Stephanus. When you see faithful people. You know what? Come up alongside of them, and, and and if they need something, help them. Submit to what they're doing, because everything is, well, attitude is everything. Attitude is everything. Paul does not command, by the way, submission. I want to be careful about that. <clears throat> he says, I beseech you, in verse 15, I beseech you, brethren. Um, some people do believe that the word, uh, or I've heard it taught that the word beseech means it's a command, but it really, you have to be careful with that because it's not a command. It's a strong, 
it's a strong admonition, right? <clears throat> He's like, I, I really want you guys to have the right attitude here, but I can't make you. The definition is to entreat or uh, <clears throat> to supplicate, to implore. So the, the very word itself means to ask, right? It's not commanding, it's asking, but it is definitely, you know, with an urgency or with a, with a certain uh, desire in asking, of course, for them to, to obey that. But certainly Paul was not saying, you know, you have to because it's all attitude. You've got to have the right attitude. <clears throat> I frequently beseech you here at HBF. If you're here at HBF, I've been beseeching people <clears throat> for a long time to uh, to get involved in the Kingdom Seekers ministry. Right. I, I, but I haven't come to anybody and said, thou must get involved in the Kingdom Seekers ministry. Now, why? Because, well, that's just not how it works. You don't get saved that way. It does say that we should obey the gospel. Um, and it, and but you know at the end of the day, you can take it or leave it. Nobody's going to force anyone to bo- be born again. You must make a decision. It ultimately God did His part, but you got to do your part, your part. It is your will that has to. It's your knee that has to bow. Your tongue that has to confess. And so it's very important that we understand that. And and Paul is like, hey guys, this is really good for you. Uh, you need to take your vitamins, but I'm not going to open your mouth and shove them down your throat. It's up to you to, to do the right thing. Uh, my, I just went to the doctor, right? And she's like, Brian, you need to lose weight. I beseech you, therefore, Brian. <laughs> Would you lose weight? Okay, I'm working on it now. But you know what? No one's going to come to my house with a, coddle, a cattle prod, and every time I pick it, we got these little, uh, these little uh, jelly beans sitting around the house right now, and it's like, oh, I love sugar. I love sugar. I just want to. But no one's going to poke me with the cattle prod. I'd better not give this idea to my daughter, but anyway, uh, <laughs> you know, if 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 I touch, yeah, right, if I touch that, you know, no, no one's going to shock me. You know, it's really up to me. I have to decide. I have to I have to heed the urging. And so, here at HBF, I'm often urging folks to get involved in ministry that's important. The sound booth, the AV booth. It wouldn't you know one of the ministries that's most under manned in our church is most critical during this time. It's a great illustration of what we learned in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. By the way, guys, thank you in the booth tonight. Uh, appreciate your guys' work getting all this done, getting it out. And you guys all know 1 Romans chapter 12. <clears throat> it's a very familiar passage to most of us. Paul doesn't command us to be living sacrifices, but he strongly encourages us to be a living sacrifice. Why? Because, well, it's good for all of it. It's good for us, right, to do to, to be a living sacrifice that's holy acceptable unto God. It's it's reasonable, right? It's even intellectually the right thing to do. It's like, yeah, that makes sense. Uh, it's our reasonable service. Like my whole eternity is going to be so filled with blessing, I can't enumerate it, like more than the stars of heaven. And, and oh, so, yeah, I guess laying my life down, giving my life to Christ for, in my breathing years is going to be so minuscule compared to the, the eternal way to glory. Why wouldn't I do that? It's just reasonable. Right. Well, what it does, too, is it measures our faith, doesn't it? Do we really believe that? So we, we really got to believe that it does reveal our faith at times. So attitude, attitude is everything. But also we should be selective in our submission. He's not just saying be submissive. He's saying be selective in your submission. Uh, we should be selective in our submission. Right. We need the right attitude and we need to be selective in our submission. So Paul qualifies who uh, the saints at Corinth should submit to those who minister with Paul. Now look over in verse 10. We've already covered this ground. He says, now, if Timotheus come and uh, come, see that he may be with you without fear, for he worketh the work of the Lord, as I also do. 
So he's saying, hey, Timothy is somebody you should minister with. He's a good minister. He's like myself. Those who have a proven track record here in verse 15, he's talking about the house of Stephanus, the first fruits of Achaia, right? That region there in, in Greece, that they have addicted themselves to the ministry of the saints. We've got a lot of addicts at HBF and not all of them are meth addicts. Uh, there's a lot of people here addicted to the ministry. Uh, I'm an addict myself. And so you really, as a Christian, oftentimes, uh, as a human, you got to decide what you're going to be addicted to because everyone loves sin. Your flesh loves sin. But at some point in your life, you have to decide, you know what? I'm going to give my life to Christ as Lord and Savior. And we often, we don't want to minimize the word Lord either. I mean, God does have rights to us. We're bought with a price, right? Therefore, glorify God in our body and our spirit, which are God. So, so at some point we have to decide, you know what? I'm going to yield myself to the will of God. I'm going to do what God wants me to do. I'm going to submit to him and I'm going to find examples. Paul's like, find some examples of people who are like that, people who are addicted to the ministry. You know, an addict, they just can't go without. They can't go without it in the, in a carnal sense, right? An addict can't go without fill in the blank, you know, sex, drugs, rock and roll, whatever it is, right? They just can't go without it. They can't go without another drink. They can't go without another uh, IV shot in the arm. They can't go without another, whatever it is, one night stand. Whatever that problem is that they have, that their flesh is desiring, and by the way, destroying them, they do it anyway, oftentimes reluctantly. You know, they, they, they don't, the part of them is like, I know I'm killing myself, but I, I just love sin, if they were honest. I just love it. I'm just going to, have you ever seen that? You know, it's fun at the beginning, before it's over, they're just a slave, right? They just got to get to the next fix. And they're being destroyed. Well, Christ is like, hey, wait a minute. Jesus Christ, man, he's a drug that you don't have a hangover with. As a matter of fact, you have eternal life. It's the opposite. And so, so when you're, when you're in Christ and Christ is in you, man, get more of him. Be addicted to the, the house of Stephanus is addicted to the ministry. I have pastors on our team. They're addicted to the ministry. We don't have a, a, a we don't have a huge payroll here at HBF. We got a lot of men serving and women serving the Lord here at HBF. Some in official positions, some in not official positions, but they serve the Lord. Why? Because they're addicted to Jesus. They love Jesus. They don't do it for a check. They don't do it for status. They do it because they love Jesus. Man, that's what Paul says. When you see those people loving Jesus, they're addicted to him. You know, they're in love with him, right? Then, man, you need to, you need to, you need to follow those people. You need to be connected to those people. Submit to those people. Paul's concluding his epistle really where it began because in chapter one, they were all choosing sides, right? Remember, they were choosing up different people, their favorite preacher, and debating doctrine, all the knowledge that they had, and justifying all the while their carnal lifestyle, showing up to the Lord's Supper and diminishing one certain person because they don't have enough, and 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 just being it just was a mess. It was a sham. There was sin that was open in the church. It was a joke. Man, a lot of churches, unfortunately, in America today, there's a lot of churches, and not just in America. I have friends overseas. They could do the same. They're just a joke. And fortunately, unfortunately, a lot of times the last people to know they were the joke are the church, right? And then the lost people are looking at them going, I could do that. I don't need to go to church to do that. And gosh, growing up as a kid, how many times I would hear excuses. The, the church takes a lot of beatings, oftentimes not justifiable beatings. But, man, you as a, as a Christian, man, the, the devil is just always waiting to accuse you. And you give him a, a little inch and, man, he'll create a he'll open that crack up a mile. And so Paul's trying to tighten this thing up. And he's like, hey, guys, you know what? When I came and when I started this epistle, right, when I wrote this epistle, you were dividing up over Apollos and you were dividing up over Paul. But let me give you some other examples, people that 
you need to really be like, and that's Stephanus. And I, it would have been interesting. I don't have the backstory. I bet if we knew the details of why Paul said the house of Stephanus and the first fruits of Achaia were so critical of the ministry, I think we would probably find probably a very humble man, probably a guy who was not caught up in all the things, probably the janitor in the church of Corinth, man, probably the guy who was trying to, working down here in the in the shambles, right, trying to make some money, trying to keep everything together, probably didn't have the nicest clothes. But you know what? When Paul looked at the, at the house of Stephanus, he saw fruit. He saw a man that was faithful over time. He probably saw fruit in his children. He probably saw fruit around him. And he's like, hey, you look at that guy. That guy's the one that's bearing fruit. You need to be like the house of Stephanus. I don't think he was caught up in worrying about Apollos. I don't think he was worried about Paul. I don't think he cared who baptized him. He was just glad to be saved. He was glad to serve the Lord. Right, Stephanus is a guy you need to follow. Find people like that in the church, people who are serious about Jesus, people who don't get caught up in personalities and, and rock star personalities and, oh, this preacher, that preacher, whoever, man. We just need to follow Jesus. HBF doesn't need a bunch of Brian followers. God forbid we need a bunch of Jesus followers, right? And if, if we, now obviously I am responsible, follow me as I follow Christ. Paul said that too. But the reality is we should all be setting that type of example. We don't want to have personality cults, right? And uh, that's definitely not healthy for the body of Christ. I'd, I would throw that out also, just a word up, right? If you're LFF, uh, faith, yeah, Living Faith Fellowship group, right? we got some pretty amazing preachers in our circuit, but we got to be careful, man. Don't worship people. I've seen it happen. I've seen preachers that are on the on meter, media, media, what's the word I'm looking for? Meteor, I don't know what I'm trying to say. Like it rising like a mediator, shooting up like a, shooting up like a rocket. You know what I'm trying to say? Meteoric. There you go. Thank you. Meteoric. Thank you, Ron. I need Ron. I need the body of Christ just to preach a message. So, so we, you know, they're on this, this rise, this meteoric rise. There it is. Thank you. I needed that. Uh, I could have had a V8. And so they're on this rise. And then, you know what? They crash. They crash. Man, you know what? God does that sometimes. I think God allows that sometimes. So we remember, oh, wait a minute. We're supposed to follow Jesus, and there's no exceptions. No exceptions. There are no rock stars in Christianity. There's just servants of the Lord Jesus Christ. There's people who love God, and they're addicted to the ministry. That's who we need to be following. If they're in pulpits, great. They should be in every pulpit, frankly, but but uh, definitely there, but also everywhere, right? Uh, I, I, saw, I, I see people like this, like Stephanus mowing the property. I see people like this doing stuff. Just clanned all over the place, clandestinely around the, the ministry. Those are the people you want to follow. Many years ago, um, <clears throat> uh, our pastoral team here at HBF worked to establish values just for this very reason. We sat in a room at a, at a retreat one weekend and uh, we were looking at, at all these because we have some incredible pastors here. And we designed HBF and our adult Bible fellowships, which are, by the way, great time to plug those because right now we are surviving because of adult Bible fellowships, because of the fellowship that we get in those smaller groups. And so praise God for that. And so, uh, and so we, we, we designed all those for this very reason. So nobody gets caught up in a personality cult, right? That's why we disciple across the whole church body. We don't get what, what I call ministry silos or personality silos. When a young Christian comes into the ministry, uh, oftentimes whoever they're close to becomes their rock star, which is normal, just like a child. Uh, you know, in in uh, with their parents and their father and so on and so forth. Praise the Lord for that. 
But as a ministry, you do have to grow up, right? That's what Paul's telling the church at Corinth. Hey, don't worship Apollos. Don't worship me. Don't worship the leadership. Worship Jesus, right? Make sure that we don't get into personality cults and silos. And uh, I was in a very unhealthy environment one time where people literally were siding up with the leadership in the church. Very, very much a, a problem, a schismatic situation. So we shouldn't do that. And a leader who does that, you need to probably go the other way uh, because there's there's definitely something wrong in their heart. And so do not follow those who will not follow after the Apostle Paul's doctrine, right? So there's also a reality here. It is a doctrinal issue. Uh, Paul was also endorsing those that had pure doctrine. Uh, today, as in the day of Paul, there are many ministries, but not very many ministers rightly dividing the Word of God. And so uh, and I'm not saying that HBF is absolutely perfect. I'm sure that we have, uh, there's times when we, you know, see something that maybe needs to be adjusted or tweaked a little bit. But to the best of our ability, certainly we can rightly divide the Word of God. As a matter of fact, we're commanded by Paul uh, to rightly divide the Word of God. There, the Bible itself is laid out in a way that it is divided up uh, dispensationally, doctrinally. We understand uh, how the Bible, how God put the Bible together. We understand that because we're not just, we're not, you know, full of knowledge that we're just, you know, the smartest people, but because the Spirit of God has given us a book that defines itself and we believe the Bible. We believe that it is, is, this is a Bible that can be rightly divided. It can be rightly applied then and we can understand how it fits together. And it gives us so much insight into who God is and what He wants us to be so we can accomplish His will. And so don't follow after those who don't have pure doctrine. Don't submit yourselves to a minister who will not receive the instruction of the Pauline epistles, for instance. They are false. They're false. Even to this day, there are people, there are movements that avoid the Pauline epistles, or conversely, they only hold to the Pauline epistles. No, no. The, even Paul said, right? It's, it's, this is the, the whole counsel of God's word. We need to understand how to, Riley, it's not all written to us, but it is all written for us. And so you got to have a balance in those things. And so those are very important things as well. Uh, obviously, Paul had about Paul, by the way, for people who believe that, you know, only Paul's epistles. Well, most of the time, Paul and Jesus are quoting the Old Testament. I mean, it's just it's kind of nonsense if you really think it through in context, uh, you know. Um, and so uh, the whole the God gives us his word and, and the, all the scripture is given to us. And so we need to make sure we understand God's whole counsel in context and rightly divide the word of God. Be careful when you get around those who will not submit themselves to the whole counsel of God and understand how to rightly divide it. All right, and then submit to those who are family. 1 Corinthians 16, 15. It says, um, I beseech you, brethren, you know the house of Stephanas, that it is the first fruits of Achaia. See, there's a house here involved too. Uh, he says, I beseech you, brethren, right? So we all fall under the authority of God as our father, right? So we're all part of the family, you know, like the... Who is that? Uh, we are family, Sister Sledge or whoever. When I was a kid, that was a very popular song. We are family. I got all my sisters and me. Well, you know what? We are family. And uh, we got all of our brothers and sisters because of Christ. We got a father in heaven. Timothy was Paul's fruit. He called him his son in the Lord. Uh, uh, Stephanus and Fortunatus um, and, and Achaeus, uh, I think is how we say that. They were, fam- they were familiar family friends of the church at Corinth, not necessarily blood-related, but certainly in the family of faith, in the family of God. It's like us. We have our local church, and now we have a sister church in Clinton that, that God's used us to plant. we got a sister church in Casey. God's 
KCK, God's allowed this church to plant, that he is birthed from this church. He's also, uh, we've got other sister churches, Jim and, and Ann, we're down in, in uh, Ocala working with uh, um, Code Blaze down there and, and that church, a great church plant down there, uh, Tampa, Florida. Those are, those are churches that are out of, you know, different locations. Uh, one is out of, of, uh, of um, Midtown Baptist Temple. Got a church plant going on in Boston. All of us are family. We're family with Midtown Baptist Temple and Harvest Baptist and First Bible Baptist of Blue Springs. And there's just a lot of church family going on in this area. We're so blessed. Uh, we just had Jay Boffman in from, uh, from Ohio for the marriage conference. And he said, man, he goes, it is so awesome just to be around other like-minded people, people that are committed to the mission of God. And that means specifically making disciples, invest in the word of God, like Paul's talking about, in the lives of others, having these family relationships in the Word of God. So submit to the example of ministry addicts is what Paul's saying, right? Now go to 15, uh, Romans chapter 15, Romans 15 and uh, verse 26. I want to read this passage to you, and uh, we're going to have to wrap this up. Romans chapter 15 and verse uh, 26. Is anyone out there online going to read this for me? I'm just kidding. All right, so kind of, you can read it to your family. Romans 15 and verse 26, the Bible says, For it hath pleased um, them of Macedonia and Achaia to make a certain contribution for the poor saints which are at Jerusalem. So God provided model ministers from Achaia, the region of Greece south of Macedonia where Corinth is located, to provoke the Corinthian church to good works. Uh, in the midst of a problem church, God had provided model ministers and ministries to set an example. So he's careful as he writes this and sends it to Rome from Phoebe that, hey, there's churches in, in uh, and I'm, of course, I'm sure he's wanting to and is hoping that the Corinthians are going to be a part of that. But he's saying, look, follow that example of giving. He's strongly encouraging that. These were churches that were part of the family, right? They submitted the example of these ministry addicts who would give their resources in Macedonia and Achaia to the churches, at, or to the church, I should say, which were churches composing the church of Jerusalem. So notice in 2 Corinthians 9, 1 through 3, that the difference between a model minister and a messed up minister is not what is said, but is what's being done. So Paul writes this to the Romans, but then look at 2 Corinthians. He writes this epistle to the Corinthians, uh, and we're going to be going into 2 Corinthians, but 2 Corinthians chapter chapter 9 I'm going old school here. I don't have all this printed out. Second uh, Corinthians chapter nine and verse one. The apostle Paul says, "For as touching the ministering to the saints, it is superfluous for me to write to you, for I know the forwardness of your mind, for which I boast of you uh, to them of Macedonia and Achaia." <clears throat> we saw that in Romans fifteen, and was uh, was ready that which I boasted of um, to them of Macedonia and Achaia that I, that was ready a year ago. And your zeal hath provided very many. Yet I have sent the brethren, lest our boasting of you should be in vain in this behalf, that, as I said, ye may be ready. So what Paul is gently saying is like, hey, I know we made a commitment. We're really really glad you did your faith promise giving, but I'm coming to get the promise, (laughs) right? I'm sending some folks by to pick up the offering that you promised. So that's the difference, right? Uh, people that don't just talk about ministry, but they actually do the ministry. Uh, Paul's like, I'm not just needing you to make a promise. I'm really needing you to come through. I'm going to send some people by to pick up that offering at Corinth. So the church at Corinth was 
they talked really big, but they uh, Paul was not certain that they were going to deliver. That's why he wrote a second epistle, because that was a year ago. You had a year to make good on your commitment. You know, what a reproach it is, right? I don't think that was probably the way Stephanus uh, rolled in his house. That's probably not how Fortunatus rolled. But there were people at Corinth that were even considering themselves leaders. Paul's like, hey, if you're going to be a leader, I need you to lead. I need you to, to come through in this fashion, in this manner. And so uh, God is not impressed with what we say. He's looking for how we live. So to this point, the actions of the Corinthians spoke so loudly that their words had no credibility. Hmm. When we get to the end of the, this epistle, uh, obviously Paul had to write another epistle and say, hey, guys, uh, your actions are speaking louder than your words. You made a promise to give, but you never gave. You know, uh, you know. sometimes we do those things. Yeah, I'll help out. I'll be there. I'll do that. And then we don't come through. And you know what? We need to make sure that that's really not the way we roll. That's not how God would have us to roll. Sometimes we get overcommitted. Sometimes we need to learn to say no. It's better to say no and disappoint somebody and not make commitments that we don't come come through on. So God is not impressed with what we say. He's looking for how we live. All right, so how do you become a, a ministry addict? Let me answer this question, then we're going to stop tonight because I'm definitely out of time. How, would you, how do you become a ministry addict? It starts in the blood, you know, trust in the blood of Christ to free you from the bondage of sin. Then you need to daily and hourly uh, be fixated on God's word. You need a fix. You know, when I don't know about y'all, but when I first got saved, I could not get enough of God's word. I, I mean, I just had to read the Bible every time I had a chance. I couldn't. I remember my disciple told me about Monday night Bible studies that we used to have. It was a midweek Bible. Well, it really was not midweek. It was Monday. But it was a first of the week Bible. So I had to be there. I mean, I, nobody had to twist my arm. I had to be there. Why? Because I was addicted. I was addicted to the Word of God. I was watching uh, these televangelist TV preachers. I'd sit there in the living room at my house listening to what they were saying, teaching on, on. I find out later they're just terrible heretics. But you know what? Even that God used in my life. He was so he was like, yeah, w- watch Fred Price teach on Ephesians uh, chapter six. And it was really good to a point. And then finally, I'm like, what? What are you talking about, Fred Price? That's craziness. And come to find out, yeah, it was crazy. The Spirit of God said, OK, that's enough of listening to Fred Price. You need to move on to somebody better. But you know what? When you're hungry for the word, then you just try to suck it in anywhere you can. You're radio preachers. TV evangelist, you know, you're watching all this. You're just when you're young in the Lord, especially you're like a baby. Just you're just hungry. You just want to get the word of God in. What happens to us? You know, how do we get to the place where we no longer desire God's word or we look at the Bible as though it's a book? I've read that book. I know what's in there. What does that mean? You quit talking to your wife because you know her or your husband because you know him. Yeah, that is often what happens. That's why marriages are ruined because the relationship breaks down. Just because you know something doesn't mean you should stop communicating, right? As a matter of fact, you should continue to communicate because it's amazing how as long as you might be married to somebody, you still learn things about them. And you know what's also amazing? People change over time. And if you think that one read across the Bible, you got it locked down, that means you don't know who wrote the Bible because there is layer upon layer. There's an eternity's worth of layer to this book. You can never exhaust it because it, like Jesus, its author is eternal. It is the word of God. And so we must be captivated. We need to be fixated. We need to be like a junkie who needs Jesus and it needs to be in the word of God. There's probably not enough emphasis on that. We got a lot of devotional tidbits. I do a lot of that myself, throwing little tidbits out on the Facebook and stuff. But that's really not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about deep dives, meditation, all the day long. 
sneaking away thinking about what did Jesus say about that? Not because you want to put something on Facebook or you're just getting ready for the next devotion to, to tell somebody what you learned, but because you're actually thinking about, wow, man, that is amazing, God, how that applies to this and how, you know, you know what I'm talking about? That is, that's what, that's what people who are addicted to ministry, that are addicted to the Lord Jesus, that's what it's like. They're fixated. They're, they need a fix. You know, my son, when he was born, he had to eat every three hours. Why? Because he was addicted to food. He still is addicted to food. <laughs> and so you got to eat, man. You got to eat. Right? And if it's milk, it's milk. If it's you get bigger, it's steak. But anyway, get engaged in the work of ministry with the right heart attitude. That's another thing. It's really, it's kind of like anything. Once you get started on it, you know, you kind of like it. You know, uh, we, I took my son out shooting yesterday, and he's like, oh, I'm not sure about this this particular weapon. And um, then once he shot it a few times, he's like, hey, I like that, you know. Well, that's how the Bible is too, man. Yeah, I don't know about this weapon. It, this is pretty powerful. But once you get in there, man, you, you really get you get to where, man, I love the Word of God. I love Jesus. I love who he is. I love what he's all about. You know, you will soon be drunk in the spirit and you won't need all that other stuff. You won't need a you don't need a fix. You won't need another drink. You won't need another hit of meth. You won't need another I don't even know if I said that right, but you won't need all that. Because why? Well, you got something better. It's amazing. You know, I love ice cream. My flesh loves ice cream. Let me be careful with that. My flesh loves ice cream, but when I eat some some good broccoli and a good piece of portion of protein and have a little bit of carbs on the side and I eat the right portion and I let that settle in my stomach. It's amazing how I don't want any ice cream anymore. It goes away. That desire goes away. Why? Because I'm satisfied with something better. Now, you know what? Sure, ice cream's sweet to the taste. But you know what? If I put ice cream ahead of what's best for me, I'm going to get fat and die. <laughs> so <laughs> I've done that too many times, right? So what's important is to put the best things first. And you know what? When you put the best things first, Sometimes we obsess over what we can't have instead of just going ahead and taking in what we can have. God is not like like sitting around with his will and his word saying, okay, jump so high and I'm going to give you the word. Just prove how much you want me and I'll give you the word. People think that's they don't have a right relationship with God. They don't have an understanding. God is willing and ready to give us what we will take. There is certainly an investment and a prioritization in our heart. All we got to do, though, is prioritize it and execute on what's good and you will find all the stuff that's bad, you're not going to need. You're not going to want. And so uh, be hooked on the ministry, man. Be hooked. Um, you know, just like, just you know what, it's amazing. I got to say this. Just as a drunk at the bar finds a buck-toothed woman uh, attractive, what happens is when you get in the Word of God, God will give you a supernatural ability to love people that might seem unlovable. You'll have an ability to see things differently. Things that you might not have cared about before, all of a sudden, you'll start to care about. Maybe you're a hardened man out there listening to this. You're some tough old rough dude. Nobody's going to break through your shell. But the reality is, once you get to know Jesus, you'll start to see things different. Those those kids, you, you might even tear up every once in a while. I know it scares you to think about it. But you know what? God will change the way you see life when you get addicted to Jesus. You'll be hooked on ministry. And when you have a passion to see others conform to the image of the Lord Jesus Christ, you won't be able to get enough of it. When you see God working through your life and other people's lives are changed, you, you just can't get enough of that. You become an addict. The house of Stephanus, those guys had fruit. They were seeing lives change. And I tell you what, that's addictive. And Paul says, get a hold of those folks and follow them. I beseech you, therefore, saints, 
gathered tonight at HBF. Submit yourself to those who you see are clearly addicted to the ministry. Do not be a respecter of persons just because people are busy. And I didn't say addict yourself to busy people. I said people who are addicted to the ministry, people who love Jesus, put the word of God first, and, of course, have fruit in their life. Whose lives are being changed? Man, when you see people's lives being changed, you need to get on board and get under those folks, submit yourselves to them, and, and grow on with them. And so follow, the, of course, follow, as Paul, Paul said, follow me, and then your disciples will follow Christ, right? If we're not following Christ, why would our disciples follow Christ? I did a men's conference a few weeks ago, and uh, I was talking to those men. I said, you know what? If, you're, if your kids are doing well and your wife's doing well and your ministry's doing well, your job's doing well, but you're not doing well, they're not doing well. Don't kid yourself. If you're a man, I'm speaking to men tonight. If you're trying to lead a home and, and, and man, your wife is doing well, your kids are doing well, but you're not doing well, then they're not doing well. Men, we've got to do well. We've got to do well. We've got to be addicted to the ministry because I guarantee you, if we're not addicted, why in the world would our families be addicted? they got to see it with us. All right, that's point one. Evidence of an open life. It starts starts with a submissive attitude. So let's have a word of prayer. I am going to have a few announcements, and then we're going to break up to a, a private a meeting with Ron and a, and a couple others to, to pray over our prayer list. But I want to talk to you about that. If you're a member of HBF, if you're not a member of HBF, please, after we're done here, hey, if you need contact and get some help in life, we're here to help you. we got a life issues addiction recovery ministry that's still operable even under these circumstances. We have a PTSD ministry. We can help you out with that even remotely. If you have some needs in your life, you need some. sometimes you need additional help. you got to have someone come along and encourage you. We have those types of ministries. So if you happen to be watching this tonight and you're not uh, part of this ministry, man, we'd love to help you out if we can. But if you're part of HBF, hang with me after I pray. If you're not saved, you need to get saved. Call our church, 380-3033. We'll get back with you. There's people that can pick up the phone even now. And we'll talk to you. Uh, otherwise, let's have a word of prayer. We'll be, I'm going to have a few announcements and we'll be dismissed. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time to meet together and to, uh, to kind of look at this uh, portion of 1 Corinthians chapter 16. Uh, Lord, we're so thankful for your word that's true. And Lord, I, I know I, I need to hear what I'm saying. I, Lord, I don't want to, I want to have the evidence of an open life. I want to be like the house of Stephanus. I don't want to be uh, uh, someone that's, you know, worship and personalities and full of knowledge being puffed up. Lord, but not really grasping how charity is what edifies. God forbid, Lord, pray that that would not be us, that it would not be me, that it would not be this church, that it, and I don't think it is, but Lord, I don't want it to be. I don't want that to be who we are. Help us, Lord, to be humble. Help us to believe your word, Lord. Help us to, to really believe it enough to live it. Oh, Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. It's so good. It's so true. We praise you tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Um, just uh, I just pray we can live all this. So amen. Let's live out the Word of God, and that things will be good. I want to just talk to the church body at HBF uh, briefly uh, about prayer. Uh, and uh, I don't have the prayer pieces, and there's not enough of us probably to, to do that. We normally take this prayer list that I have here, and, uh, and we break it up into bite-sized pieces so everybody can pray over specifics. Um, and what you see here on this list is highlighted portions. If you're a member of HBF, this should be in your inbox if you have an email address uh, that gets sent out every Wednesday. And so I would just ask you to review that list. I'm not going to get into the particulars, but I will give you some names. Remember Bob Jackson and Tim Nichols? You can go on the list and find out the details of that. You also need to remember to check back on Josie Blake. I think most of you know 
uh, Josie Blake. I'll say a little bit more about that because I know Mike and the family wouldn't mind. But, uh, you know, Josie's at that place uh, where her um, she's supposed to be starting maintenance, but she's ran into kind of a little snag with her her blood uh, platelets. And so uh, they're talking about a bone, I think a bone marrow. I don't know if it's a transplant or what exactly they're wanting to do. So forgive me for not knowing exactly uh, what the procedure is. It slips to my mind, but it has to do with bone marrow. And uh, uh, yeah, it's a bone marrow test. Actually, it's, it's the details are in the, in the prayer list. So you can read the details on that, but uh, without getting into too much detail, just remember Josie Blake, remember to keep her in prayer. We've been, it was about a year ago, just, just a little over a year ago that she died, was diagnosed uh, with uh, this cancer that she has. And man, Mike Blake had to leave our conference, go home, deal with that. He's been dealing with that this year. He had a lot, they've had a lot on their plate in the Blake family. And so just continue to keep them in prayer. Also remember, um, Ella Sullivan under infirmities and, uh, Lane Rogie and, uh, Donna Mathis, for those that were praying for her, Don, Donna is not on our prayer list, but she has returned home. Isn't that right, Jamie? So she has returned home. Also remember, um, Sherry Stovall. She's bereaved at the loss of her grandmother who passed away last week and they had the funeral. I believe it was Saturday. Uh, yeah, on Saturday. So just be praying for that, them as a church family. And again, if you're listening in, this is for HBF family. So if you need to check out, that's fine. And then, uh, once again, pray for my, my, I call him my cousin. He's like a second cousin, Mike Hinches. He, he passed away. Don't pray for him. He's already in heaven. So he's good to go. Uh, he had a, he, uh, he and he was saved several years ago. Uh, but pray for his daughter. His daughter, uh, Kayla, uh, has no, uh, I mean, her mom, uh, she has a mother, um, but her on Mike's side, Mike is, uh, he's passed, his sister passed, his, both his parents are gone. So, uh, you know, there's just, I just feel for Kayla. So just be praying for Kayla as much as anything. Um, Kayla, uh, I believe she's still uh, hinches. So, uh, and then the nursing home, um, in general, we got some details, pray for the details, I think of Laverne Fugate and many others, but in the ministry to the nursing home, but a lot of the nursing home folks are stuck. They're isolated. So don't forget to pray for those in the nursing home, because I'm sure it's very hard uh, to be in that situation. There's a lot of ministry, not just obviously from our church, but a lot of churches and people minister within the nursing homes. And I I feel bad for those that are, um, you know, in that situation. I'm going to have a few more updates. Uh, Let me look over those that are going to be private or not going to be online. Uh, and of those that I can share, uh, I would ask you to pray for James Horton. James Horton tonight had to go back to the hospital. So please be praying for James. Um, I don't know if I should have mentioned that online or not, but um, if I shouldn't have, forgive me, the Horton family. Um, and the rest of these things I'll just leave for later because I don't want to say something I ought not. So that's why I'm going to leave it. But I say all that just to say this is kind of more than the preaching. We do this every week on Sunday, and a lot of the HBF folks haven't been here on a Sunday night. This is what we do. Then we take some time and we just pray. If people aren't comfortable praying, then they're free to go. You know, they can go. It's not. It's We just beseech them to, to pray. We don't make them do anything. So uh, so we're going to go to prayer, prayer here in just a minute. And so if you've joined us tonight, we're so glad you have. I hope... Uh, if you have a prayer need to, don't don't forget to call the office. But more importantly, if you have a prayer need, don't forget to pray. Uh, don't forget to look at this list and to go over it and remember those. It's kind of rotten of us to ask people to pray for us if we don't pray for others. You know, that's kind of the point. So we need to help each other out. We need to lift each other's hands up in prayer and pray for one another, especially during this time. And I think you guys are. So praise the Lord for that. Um, so any comments or anything I need to address?
Maybe we got anybody watching. Oh, really? Good. Praise the Lord. I'm glad somebody's watching tonight. Praise God. So let's go ahead and uh, I'll uh, have a word of prayer. And uh, after I'm done praying, if you guys can shut this thing down, that'll be great. Heavenly Father, I, I'm so thankful for those that are viewing. I've, tonight I have kind of focused outward because that's where everyone is. And I don't know if I'm talking to four people or 40 people or 400 people. So, or take what is said and let it fall upon the fertile soil. Lord, I'm sure there's a few rocky hearts. Lord, I pray that, God, you would continue to work on those and bust them up while there's time so that they can be fruitful. Lord, at the end of the day, you just you deserve fruit, Lord. Heavenly Father, you sent your son to die on this planet. And, Lord, um, it, I just pray, God, that there could be fruit and that we can be part of bringing in fruit that brings honor and glory to your name. Lord, thank you. Again, I think about the family aspect. Thank you for our church family. It's so much more precious during times like this. Uh, thank you so much for um, just the the great church family that, that we have here. Thank you for our church family that's outside of here. I, I heard a tremendous testimony from New Life Baptist, some young lady that I don't know, which is even cooler. I'm really neat giving her testimony online. And Lord, that is incredible. I thank you for those those little things of fruit. Thank you for bearing fruit in those ministries. Thank you for the fruit that's at Shiloh down in KCK. Thank you for the fruit of the missionaries in, in the ministry that we're involved with. And Lord, thank you for the fruit of our sister churches, you know, I've mentioned some of them, but not all of them. Lord, we have a big family of sister churches right here in the metro and, and around the United States and, and around the world. Lord, it's it's awesome, truly awesome. And I thank you for it. And I'm so thankful for the, the fellowship that we have in Christ. I pray God a blessing tonight on everybody that uh, is uh, within the, 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 uh, the family, the household of faith, all those that are addicted to the ministry, all those that know how to rightly divide the word of God and rightly apply it, all those that love you and love people, Lord, that are serious about the great commission and the great commandment. Lord, may we be very serious about, at this time, getting out that great invitation, Lord. Uh, your yoke is easy and your burden is light. Lord, you're calling all to come unto you and learn of you, Lord. I pray, God, they would know who you really are. A lot of people think they know about God, but you don't know God until you meet him. And so, Lord, may there be a lot of personal invitations and a lot of personal um, receptions of the Lord Jesus Christ into hearts over the next several days, weeks, months ahead. We thank you and we praise you and we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.